Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I'm kind of getting us ready for, uh, for the talk because he talked about how uh, you could really summarize the message of Jesus in two words, come and go. It's, uh, it's all about coming and it's all about going it's all about coming to God and it's all about going for Jesus and so to the hurting to the confused to the angry to the upset to the depressed to the wondering to the the people who who don't know which way to go in life Jesus says I'll tell you here's a direction come come to me just come to me and uh, turn away from everything that you know to be wrong Turn away from every wrong direction. Turn away from everything that is uh, not fulfilling you, that's just frustrating you. Turn your life around. That's what the word repent really means. And, and come to me. Just come. And then to people who've, who have come to him, people who've, been, uh, who, who've had that meeting with him, people who know what it is to be loved like that and to be transformed and to be changed and to be blessed like that, then he says, okay, now you've come, I want you to go. I want you to go for me. So let me say it again. Before... You know Jesus. People who you know who don't know Jesus yet. What's God want to say to them? He wants to say to them, come. Just come. Jesus says this. If you are tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. Take the yoke I give you. Put it on your shoulders and learn from me. I am gentle and humble and you will find rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's do you know anybody who needs that? Do you know anybody who goes around all the time saying, oh, I'm just so stressed out, I don't know what to do, I don't know, and I'm scared about what's going on in the world? You look on your Facebook page, you know somebody who needs to come to Jesus. You look around your family, they're giving you clues all the time by the things that they're saying, the things that they're worrying about, the things that they're saying, I just can't carry anymore. And the reason is they need to bring it to Jesus. So next time that happens, the next time they say that, that's your cue, that's your opportunity to be able to say to them, actually, you know what, you need to come to know Jesus. Or maybe even to, if that's a little bit, oh, I don't know if I could say that. Well, why don't you just say, well, you, why don't you come to church? Why don't you come to my church? Because when they come, what we're finding is people come to this church, people come in here, it happens all the time. They come here and they come to the cinema, but actually they're coming to Jesus. And they're coming and they're meeting with Jesus and they're they're making that connection and everything changes from that moment. And you can actually do that right now. You don't have to wait. If you've been wandering around this for a while and you've maybe come once or twice or whatever and you're thinking, well, how much do I have to know about God? How much, you know, do I have to go on this, the foundations course? Do I have to go on an alpha course and then I can come? No, Jesus just says, come. He says, come now. He went around to people who didn't really know him at all very well and he just said, you know what? Come and follow me. Follow me, follow me, follow me. It's the thing that Jesus said more than anything else probably was just to ordinary people, he would say, come and follow me. So if that's you, if you don't know whether or not you have yet come to know him, today could be your day. Just come to know him. In fact, uh, at the end, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stick up a hand and say, all right, I'm ready. I'll come, I'll come to know Jesus. And then I'd love to pray for you that you'll meet with him. It could just be one person here today and that's really why you're here. And I want you to, to let that 
challenge, that invitation from Jesus, sink into your heart and do the work that it needs to do while I talk to everybody else and just let him talk to you and get ready to respond and say yes to him. I like the way the message version translates this same passage. Jesus says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out? Come to me, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so like I say, that's it for some people today. More than anything else, just come to him. Just come to Jesus. Maybe you're starting to do it in the worship. You can really come closer to Jesus. He, he just went around inviting people to lay down all the burdens, all the stuff that's too big for you, too heavy for you. It's not too big for him. It's not too heavy for him. Just take off that burden. That's why he went to a cross, so you could lay it all down at the foot of the cross and just give it to Jesus Christ. And when we don't, when we try and carry it ourselves, we're doing what we weren't designed to do. No wonder we end up feeling empty. No wonder we end up feeling tired and frustrated and stressed out. Jesus just says, come, come to me. But then, like I said, once you are in God's family, once you've made that connection, once he's adopted you and brought you into that family, something happens. The verb changes in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of places. He says, like he says in the gospel, uh, in Luke chapter 7, verse 50, it says, Jesus said, your faith has saved you, now go. That was a guy who was so messed up by all kinds of different things Jesus said to him. Now your faith has saved you. It's time for you to go too. God is always in the business of telling people to go for him. Adam and Eve, go and extend this garden. Don't just potter about here. I want you to go and flourish. I want you to multiply. Noah, go and build an ark. Abraham, go to the country that I'm going to show you. Jacob, go to your relatives And I'm going to show you a new path for your life, a new future to bless you in. And today we're going to look at a time, because we've only just got up to this bit there in the Old Testament, where God appears to Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to tell my people that they're to be going. I want you to go to Pharaoh and you're to tell them, tell him, let my people go. That's what he wants. Let my people go says God. I could read all kinds of places, hundreds of places throughout the Bible, just about every page. In some way, God is saying, go. Look at the last words Jesus said before he he went back to heaven. We call it the Great Commission. Jesus says this, and this church is about this every single week. We're always going to be about this. We want to be more and more and more and more about this. This is why this week, please pray for this, we're going to be gathering hundreds of leaders from all across Europe and all around the world as we put on a conference called Exponential. I've just been to the California version of it and it was amazing. But we're going to be launching something here in this country that is a version of that, which will be our own kind of version, which helps us to translate that into Europe to help more and more churches get planted, more and more churches get started, more and more movements of Jesus people going out and doing great stuff for him because of this conference. Why would we do that? Why would we take another step before we're ready? Because we're we're never going to be ready. Why would we be sending some of our best people Why would we be sending some of our best people and creating those gaps, people that we need here? Why would we say, no, you go there and go and help to start something in Partington? Why would we do that? Why don't we just say, you know, actually, let's do comfortable church here. Let's look after ourselves. Let's make sure everything that we've got, we, we keep. Why don't we just keep come, come, come together? And actually, Jesus said, go. 
He said, all authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so therefore you go. Go to everyone, go everywhere, make disciples out of people who aren't yet disciples. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, when you do that, if you want to know whether or not God is going to be with you, here's when he promises, Jesus said, I'm definitely going to be with you. I'll be with you when you go. Some people are waiting for him. Oh, I don't know. I don't feel the presence of God. I don't know if he's here. I don't know if he's close. Get going. Get going. He'll come with you. So when God says go, never say no. When God says go, never say no. One day you're going to stand before God and he'll say to you, first of all, question one, did you come to me? Did you come because of what Jesus had done? Did, did you come? I sent Jesus so that you could come. Because so, nobody will come to the Father except through him. So did you come to me? Did you receive the love that he he paid the price so that you could have that. Lots of us here would say immediately, yeah, yeah, Lord, I did that. And then he'll say, and did you go? He forgave your sins. He gave you a new life. You came to him. Did you also go for him? And maybe some of us would have to be, if we're really honest, just say, actually, no, I didn't go. And I think God's going to say, why not? Did you just think it was for you? Did you not think it was for your family? Did you not think it was for your brother? Did you not think it was for your neighbour? Did you not think it was for that person you work with? Did you not think I love them too? Do you think I only love you that much? I, did you not know the only reason really that I left you on, heaven, on, on earth and didn't just take you to heaven the moment you were saved is so that you would go and that you would help me to find those people and bring them to, and that you would tell the people, that you would invite them to come to know my love as well as you've known it. Why didn't you go? Because you came. That's why we're doing this one thing this week, and some great guys have spent ages making these for all the sites, so that, to challenge you, to think, all right, well, who's your one? We did a, a thing the other week and Rick Warren talked about how his dad's dying words were one more for Jesus, one more for Jesus, one more for Jesus. And that should be our, our desire. That should be what's on our heart, just to reach out. And, and so you, there's somebody God's put close enough to you, you could invite to come. You could ask them. And you know, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst they could say? Sorry? No thanks, I'm busy. No thanks, can't that week. Maybe next week, maybe the week after. That's a result. But so all the surveys say, if you ask, 80%, something like 80% of people have said that if a friend was to ask them, would you come to church, you know what they'd say? Yeah, yeah I'll come. You're here because somebody invited you. Every story here at some point, I know you're here because somebody asked you. Why don't we? Maybe because we're scared. We're scared people are going to reject us. Or maybe we think we're not good enough. Or we think we're not persuasive enough. Or we don't know enough. Or somebody else could be better. Or we might think that we're at the wrong age. Or we're at the wrong stage in our lives. And again, if that's you, you need to look at Moses today. Because this bush that did not burn up, even though it burned. The message version says it blazed but it didn't burn because God was there. God lit up the desert with his presence in the middle of an ordinary day for Moses when he was feeling like the last guy on earth that God could possibly use. 
God did something right from the start to say, get your focus off you and on me. That's the first thing. I, I think that's the first reason for the burning bush. It was like, change your focus, Moses. Stop looking down at the sand. Stop looking down into yourself and being down about that. Get your head out of that place and focus on me. Look at me. So then, when you change focus, I can change your direction. I can start to use you in ways that you didn't think I, I could use you. That's one huge reason why I think God set that bush blazing. Yeah. To basically for him to say, God wanted to say, get over yourself, yeah. Moses. Yeah. Get over yourself and focus on me, on who I am. And then, when you do that, you'll be able to go for me. We've been in this series, which links to the themes that have been addressed by Emsie's fantastic book, Insecurity. I love that book, and I really encourage you to buy a copy of it. And Moses has been the character that we've been looking at, but really, with every Bible character, the person that we learn most about is God. When you read the Bible, God is talking about them, but he's speaking to you. Did you know that? Yeah? He's talking about them, but he wants to speak to you. Every Bible character. And in Moses' life and in yours too, God has been working. Sometimes it's been behind the scenes. Very often, actually, it's been behind the scenes. It's not obvious until sometimes you look back and then you go, oh yeah, God was there. God was doing that. Like when Moses was a baby, we've seen how God orchestrated things so that he would be rescued and that he would grow up, not as a slave like all the rest of the people of Israel, because a slave couldn't rescue a whole bunch of slaves. He had to learn how to be a son. He had to learn how to be a son and to be brought up in a royal palace. He had a different mentality as a result of that. Moses kills a guy. He, he does it all wrong and he ends up on the run. But even then, God is working behind the scenes to teach him, actually, no, nothing's going to be accomplished in your strength. But also, God leads him to people who will love him, people who he who will become a part of, a different tribe, a different group of people to belong to, people who lived in the desert so they could learn how to live in a desert. You know, 40 years he lives in a desert. Where's he going to go for the next 40 years? He ends up in the desert. Do you think God knows what he's doing? Now Moses is 80 and he's married with one son who he calls stranger. Alien. That's what he's called, literally. Not because he looks like one. But because his son's become a stranger to him. He doesn't even know who his son is. Because he's, I just think, I get this picture of, of Moses. Like he doesn't really know himself, so he doesn't know his family. He doesn't know where he's meant to be. He doesn't know what he's meant to be doing. And he's gone from being a VIP in charge of the whole army of Egypt to being a nobody, just looking after a few of his father-in-law's sheep in the middle of nowhere. Until there's a new pharaoh that is elected. I don't think they do get elected. He in some way gets born. And back in Egypt... The people are still being oppressed. They're still under the cosh. They're still enslaved. They're still crying out in this unbelievable bondage. They're just about eking out a living if they're not dying. And for 400 years, God has been waiting for his promise, the schedule that he said would happen. He said, in 400 years' time, I'm going I'm to send somebody who's going to help my people and bring them out into a place that I've got for him, into a promised land. And now, like I said, it's talking about Moses, but who's it speaking to? Say me. He wants to speak to you. Moses 
is like us. Sometimes we forget that. When we hear about Bible characters, we end up making them, maybe because of Sunday school, you think of them as being like these idealised kind of saints and heroes and people with great talent and great courage. There's somebody not like me. But actually, the truth is, they're like me. So do you think that because he was a, a Bible guy, therefore, when Moses saw the burning bush, first thing that he did was like, he went, Oh, behold, the bush doth burneth. I must now go and do what the Lord hath saith. No, he doesn't do that. That isn't what he says at all. Because the Bible tells the truth about its heroes. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says the Bible is the most honest book in the world because it just tells it like it is about people. Moses is up a mountain and he's feeling over the hill and then bang, one day, spontaneous combustion. Privet pyrotechnics. Smouldering shrubbery. It gets worse. The bush just blazes away, but it doesn't burn up. And do you think that's going to attract somebody who's feeling burnt out? It burns, but it doesn't get burnt out. Why? Because God is in the centre of it. And that gets Moses' attention. Moses is feeling burnt out, but the bush that burns is burning, but it's not just like the leaves are all crinkling and falling down to the ground. And he's like, curious about this. God wants him to be curious, first of all, ask some questions about it. And he's like, whoa, fiery foliage. <laughs> Freaks me out. He goes over to the holy hedge. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to go and see this strange sight. There's no point beating around the bush. I'll go straight away. It says, when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, when he got the focus off himself, then God started to speak to him because he got his attention. When the bush knows your name, you know, when he starts to talk to you, that's going to get your attention. Moses says, here I am. Good. First of all, first of all, do you know where you are? Good place to start, where you are. Whether it's a good place or a bad place right now, do you just be where you are? Are you able to own where you are right now? You have to know where you really are for God to be able to tell you where he wants you to go. He says, here I am. And he gives God his full attention. And then God can give him some directions. Listen, when God gets your attention, pay attention. Today, as you sit here, God's going to be speaking to your heart. I believe some people, throughout this time, God's been setting a little fire, but it's not been in a bush, it's been in here. It's been in your heart. And God wants to light some fires in our hearts today. So pay attention to that. Because at time, I'm going to slip, I'm skip on a, uh, on a few verses. It seems Moses kind of thought that God might have forgotten about his people back in Israel and about the, the poor people and their oppression. But actually he says, no, I have seen and I have heard and I've come down to rescue them. And no doubt Moses is thinking, oh good, you're going to go and rescue them, God. That's great. I'll stay here and I'm looking forward to hearing the news of the mighty deliverance. But then he says to Moses, so now go. I've heard, I've seen, so now you go. So now you go. God says, I want to do something. I want to help some people. I care. So now you go. I'm sending you. 
See, when God tries to get your attention, you better pay attention because that's how you become God's answer. There are some problems now and you're the answer. Some people are sitting really comfortable in the seats. Shake yourself. Wake the person up next to you. Say, God needs your attention right now. Come on. Give, give somebody a nudge and say, God wants to get your attention right now. Don't waste this time. Don't get distracted. He doesn't want anybody else to do it. He wants to put his finger on you. God says there's some things that only you can do. I want you to do something. So now you go. I want you to invite your neighbour and there's only you who lives next to them. I want you to invite your friend to come to work. Anthony doesn't know your friend. He can't invite that person. You, who are you going to invite? Who are you going to ask? Would you come? There's some things that God wants you to give. There's some ways that God wants you to serve. There's some things God wants you to do. God says, I want you to apologise. I want you to pray. I want you to give. I want you to speak. I want you to go. Whatever go looks like, there's no excuses. It's will you or won't you? Will you or won't you? There's no way out of it. God loves the world so much that he sent his son into the world and now he wants to send his sons and his daughters into the world and if you come close enough, if you pay attention to what God's saying to you, I know what he's saying to you. He's saying, so now you go. Now, look what I mean about Moses being just like you and me. Whenever God seems to challenge us to step up into something, it seems so big and scary. Look what Moses said next. He said, here I am. Now he says, but who am I? It's like, yeah, here I am, but who am I? Who am I that I should go? to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Just imagine, imagine like in our day, this could be like an old man who's exiled from Zimbabwe. He's wanted for murder there, but God comes to him and says, I want you to go to Robert Mugabe and I want you to tell him, sort your life out. (laughs) That's the same kind of picture here. That's who Moses is. He's like, who am I? I'm the last person who should be going doing that. I'm a wanted man. In fact, I know who I am. I am a failure, I am a mess, I am a murderer, I am a has-been. Who am I? I am a loser with a slight resemblance resemblance to Charlton Heston. That's all I've got going for me. I am an old, 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 old man and you are way too late. You should have come when I was somebody. You should have come when I was something. You should have come when I was young. You should have come when I was 40. But now I'm 80, I've got my free camel pass. I've had it for 15 years. You should have come when I was strong. You should have come when I was powerful. You should have come when I was influential. I could have helped you out, God, when I was somebody. But now, who am I? I'm a nobody. I am nothing. I'm rubbish. Did you notice earlier I said that there's some things that God wants you to do and nobody else can do them? Now, you might think that I'm thinking about ministries in church and all of those kind of things. And obviously, when people go on from here, there's going to be gaps. There's going to be things that we need people to step in, up into. And, and that's a given, but I don't want to talk about that because I, w- I, was, I was in a hotel room on, in the week in, in, uh, in America and I ended up listening to, I like Stephen Curtis Chapman. I was listening to a particular song, praying for some people. And then I saw this other video and I thought, oh, this is like a really popular video of his. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to this song. And, and it grabbed me as a dad. Some of you are parents, and, um, and I wanted to tell you this, I think especially to some of the young dads here, as somebody who's a dad and is now a granddad too, this video, to be honest with you, had me in bits. Because there's, some, there's nobody else can do that job. You don't want anybody else to do that job, do you? Of looking after your kids, of raising your kids? 
You don't want, I don't want anybody else doing that. There's some, some things only you can do. And I want to talk again to the parents and say, there's all kinds of other things you could do, but there's, no, there's nobody else God wants to raise your kids and to be that, that parent to your children, to be that, that, that dad. Nobody else can do that. Despite what the world would say, it's the most important thing you can do for him. It's the most important thing you can do. Because to, to, God's a generational God, and he talked to Moses, and he says, I'm the God of, of your ancestors. And then he starts talking about three generations in that, because God's interested in generations. Don't go thinking it's just about your generation. We're going to play this video of a song in a minute. As I say, have me in bits, and I, it might do again, and then I'll manfully wipe away the tears and try and finish the talk. But I don't want to... I don't want to live with regrets because I ended up going off and doing great things for God and I didn't take my family with me or they weren't part of that in some way because that's a trap. Let's just watch the video. It's just like a soppy middle-aged man thing. It's the truth. Too fast. It just goes too fast. And uh, you, you'd never expect it. And I, 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 I say, so it got me in bits, and then there uh, was at this conference, and Andy Hawthorne's friend of Matt Redman, and we ended up chatting later on that day, and, and I was talking to Matt Redman about it. I said, oh, watch this video. Really got me in bits. Stephen Curtis Chapman, I don't know if you've seen it. He said, oh, is that the one, the one that he did, and then his daughter died? like what he said yeah like his daughter died within that year wow uh, for nearly 25 years a counsellor an author called uh, Richard Lider has been interviewing old people people mainly in their 90s he's been asking them to look back over their lives and talk about what they would do differently if they could have their time over again three themes regularly occur do you think you can learn something from older people in the 90s I hope we can First, they said, if they could live their lives over again, they'd have stopped at more regular intervals to be more reflective about their lives because they got so caught up in what they were doing, they weren't even looking at where it was heading. And usually they said it took a crisis moment for them to ever really reflect. Number two, they said if they could live their lives over again, they would take more risks, especially in the area of relationships. They'd tell people, more people, that they loved them. They would risk more with their creative sides and, and they'd do stuff that made them feel most alive, like when they were learning, when they were growing in some way, when they were stretching, they were taking risks. Number three, if they could live their lives over again, these people said they would work out as soon as they possibly could what gave them most fulfillment and they would do more of that because at the end of their lives as it approached, they realised they were seeing it isn't about how, how big your house is or what kind of job title you ever got that matters. In the end, they discovered that purpose is what gives you fulfillment, knowing what your purpose is, living beyond your ego, living beyond your financial self-interest. And then finally, they sounded a warning that that video, I suppose, did for me. As you grow older, life picks up speed. It just... They were just, they, all these people said they, they kind of got into their lives and they, were, they get to a point and they realise I'm, I'm going to be getting ready, I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready. And then it was like, where did that go? And like, in the second half, in the second half, it just flies. It really does. And they would say that suddenly they found themselves in their 70s and they realised at that point, time is the most precious currency that you have in life. 
And as I heard that song this week, as I say, I'm just over 50. That lesson just hit me so hard. And, and that isn't to make everybody feel down, but I do want, hope it'll give us pause for thought a little bit about what it is that we're most investing our lives in. Moses is there and he's got his son and he calls him stranger and I don't think he learned the lesson because if you read on in the story later on, Jethro, his father-in-law, turns up years later and brings his kids with him. And his kids never got to saw the miracles. His, his kids never saw the parting of the Red Sea and all those kind of things because he never took them with him on the journey. Moses says, who am I? I'm 80. You can't use me. You know what God says? I'll go with you. Moses says, well, that's great, but I can't tell everybody Bernie the bush told me to go. I don't know who you are. And God says, my name is I am. That's all you need to know. Some people here today, the reason you're here, God wants you to come closer to him. And the reason he wants to do it, he wants to change your I ams. He wants to change your I am by adding his I am to your I am. People all the time talk themselves out of life, out of purpose. They ask themselves the who am I question and they answer with the wrong I am. I'm too old. I am so clumsy. I am so useless. I'm so bad. I'm so rubbish. I'm so ugly. I'm so unlucky. And it's creating a reality right there. Who am I? Who do you say about who you are? What does God say about who you are? And are you saying the same thing? What you say after these two words will determine everything about you. I am what? I am grumpy. I am not a leader. I am no good at fill in the blank. But when God shows up and speaks, he changes your I am by adding his I am. And it's once I come to him, wherever I go for him, he's coming too. Did you get that? Once I come to him, wherever I go for him, he says, I'm going to come with you too. I am with you. So today, are you going to let the great I am change your I ams? When you're faced with something today, whatever you feel like, however you've messed up, and to be honest with you, every parent in the room is feeling now like they've messed up. So that's okay. We've got another chance. We've always got another chance with God to make some different decisions. When you say, here I am, when God's got your attention, don't just stay there because he's going to go with you. When you feel like, who am I? Say to God, no matter what I am, I am yours and you're mine. And then God says, yeah, I am with you. And when you know I am, I will change your I am. I'm a loser. God says I'm victorious. I am a failure. God says I'm forgiven. I'm a sinner. God says, no, because of Jesus, you're a saint. I am incapable. God says, I'm, un I'm unstoppable. I'm powerless. God says, I am powerful. I am valuable. I am acceptable. I am lovable. I am amazing. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you don't believe me, ask him, because wherever I go, he comes. We've come full circle on that, haven't we? Remember the Great Commission we started out with? Jesus says, come to me, but he changes the verb and he says, and I want you to go everywhere I send you to everybody that I tell you to do, and I am with you. I am with you. So now, whether you're 8, 18, 80, if you're struggling, if everything's great, if it feels like you haven't got what it takes, if you feel like you've messed up, take hold of this promise today for you. In fact, put your hand out. Take hold of it as a promise. God, thank you that you are with me. I am with you. 
You are with me. I am with you. You and God together. It's like that bush that sets on fire. It's like it's going to burn and other people are going to see it burn in you. If he says go, don't say no. Because he's never, ever, ever going to send you alone. If you go and invite somebody this week, if you just message on your Facebook, hey, I'm going to church, something great going to happen at church next Sunday. I tell you, something great is going to happen at church next Sunday. I don't even know what it is. But something great is going to happen next week at church. Who wants to come with me? Will you come with me? When you have that person sitting next to you or that family or whatever, it doesn't just have to be one, by the way. It doesn't just have to be one. It's not like if you've got three people, you can't say, I'm sorry, I'm only allowed to bring one. You can bring more than one. Is that all right? But when, or you bring them to Partington with you and we fill that place out. People, oh, it's a new thing. This is something new that's happening. It's just starting. Would you like to come? People like a new thing. Oh, I'll go and check that out. Like, like Lauren said, the, the prayer meeting for it, we had people becoming Christians at it. There's a, there's, God's got his hand on that place in an amazing way. So God wants to go and he wants people to come and he wants you to go. He wants you to bring them. He wants you to be like, I'll, I'll go and I'll go with you and let's go together. So let's talk to uh, somebody. Who can we talk to? Uh, Jabs. Okay, imagine, Jabs, you go home today and after this service you go to your kitchen and there you look at your fridge and you see your fridge is on fire. And, and Sarah's like, oh, fire brigade, fire brigade, get me a fire brigade, yeah? But you're like, no, behold. <laughs> like, the, the fridge, it burneth, but it burneth not up, yeah? And you're looking at the fridge and, then, and, it, and the fridge says, Jabs. Yeah, I have a job for you, Jabs. And it sounds very African, actually. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then it says, uh, Jabs, I'm speaking to you. I have a message for you. There's, there's a job for you to do, Jabs. Yeah? What are you going to do? You're going to fall down, aren't you? On your knees, in your fridge, in front of your fridge, in the, in the kitchen. And you're going to be like, what, me? Yeah? Yeah, I have a job for you. And uh, or, there's somebody, I want you to go, and I want you to bring them to me. I want you to tell them to... Would you go? Yes. yes. Everybody here, you'd go, wouldn't you? You'd be pretty motivated. You'd be convinced that God had spoken to you. And then, especially when he said, and when you go, Jabs, I am going with you. That's going to be like, wow, can't fail, can't lose. Listen, for everybody here, and in a moment, I ask you to come up and stand up here and get a post-it note. And in faith, just write a name down on there. Don't make up a name. Think of somebody you're actually going to pray for and get, wait for the opportunity to invite and to pray and put, them, put it on there. For all of us here, God, I believe, has shown up and he's wanting to talk to you and he's saying, come to me and then go for me. I'm sending you and I'm going to go with you. And when you start to feel like, who am I? He says, it's okay. I am with you. So you can change all your I ams. Because I am... And his I am means we can. Amen? Why don't you stand? Yeah. Lord, I pray you'd be bringing somebody to mind for us. That we can ask. It could be a family member. Somebody had a word in the week about prodigals. It could be somebody. It could be your son or your daughter. I really said that before. Somebody maybe when you're an older person and when they were younger, they used to come to church. God wants that child of yours to come back to him. Ask, invite them. Say, come with us. Come and have Sunday lunch afterwards. Come to church with us. 
And they might say no, but you know what? They might say yes. And they might say yes in six months because you asked them now. That's the way it often works. So just as the, um, as the band come and uh, as we start to respond, some things to do is over here, just get a post-it note and in faith, write it on and stick it on here. And we're going to be standing and praying over all of those. And then do the thing. Don't just write it on there, but invite them to come. And other people, if you've not yet come to Jesus, today's your day. In fact, stick up a hand if you just want to say, I want to come to know Jesus. I want to know him. You don't know him yet, you want to come back to him right now. Anybody? One person. Come to Jesus. Anybody? Okay. Well, if, if, whether you put your hand up or you, you didn't do that, you can come down here and you can uh, get some prayer. And we'd love to give you some free materials and help you to understand that. Let's worship and respond. Come down that way. Everybody down that way. We're getting one-way traffic going to the one. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.